Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome back. Welcome in. This is Country Roads Confidential at earsports.com, part of the CBS Sports Radio Network. I am Mike Casaza, welcoming in Chris Anderson. Chris, I'd like to start with some bad news. Oh, well, that's not the way I wanted to start. Promise you're going to laugh. <laughs> I'm going to take you on a journey here. Are you ready? I'm ready. So I told you I had a doctor's appointment on Tuesday. Uh huh. I had to duck out for a little bit. You took over. The world did not end. Um, I have a sports hernia. I told you, I, I talked about you getting into too good a shape. That's what you get for breaking, for breaking the sports writer's code of working out. I don't, I don't think that's allowed and you did it. And this is, this is karma. I but seriously, bad. are you okay? I felt bad for where this was going. I don't now. So let me finish. <laughs> I'm in pieces in the, in the doctor's room um this is not my thing i played sports all my life i've never had a surgery never had a broken thing except my nose sprained ankles uh various muscles have broken toes and fingers things like that i never had surgery i've had my tonsils taken out that's it um, i've continued sports on a later in my life and i've done some dumb things but i've never had surgery and never even had like a serious injury um i'm in obviously a combat sport as i like to call it it's muay thai um probably a little crazy but it's fun. And then this is not related to it, apparently. This evidently is just one of those things that happens. So I'm in pieces in the doctor's office, and we're talking, and, and like, I guess to change the subject, we're talking about the game and the scene and all that stuff. And boy, it'd be great to have Virginia Tech back. And then I'm getting some, just some feedback about what to expect for, you know, do you take Tylenol, leave? Actually, no, you take a leave and then mix it in with Tylenol. And just sitting here, doctor, I don't, I don't understand this. Like, I don't remember like a single event where I felt the pop. I don't remember like burning for a period of time where I was aggravated and I ignored it. And he presses the button on his pen, puts it in his top pocket, and he goes, "Well, you have been carrying that podcast for a while." Oh God, <laughs> this is brutal, <laughs> brutal. <laughs> I'm going to need this man's name. No. And, and I'm going to have to suspend him from, hey, there's doctor-patient confidentiality, not patient-doctor confidentiality. So spill it. HIPAA. And I'm, I'm going to ban him from the site. He's out. HIPAA. HIPAA. My favorite doctor now. He was not my favorite <laughs> when I was getting the bad news. But once the, the laughter was dosed properly, I felt a heck of a lot better. Let's, uh, let's transition into uh, why we're here, which is not to roast you. Or me, for that matter. I feel like we've both taken the skewer so far. But big game. And probably more anticipated now than when we sat here last week, Chris, because not only did West Virginia beat Virginia Tech, Oklahoma looked pretty human against Nebraska. And by the way, Nebraska has not looked good. So there's always hope when you play one of these games that something unlikely can happen. If people think Neil Brown is turning a corner, you can look back at different coaches throughout the years at West Virginia and times that a coach got a win and started to go somewhere maybe it was virginia tech last week for neil brown perhaps 
they just accelerate into the bend. And this is when they really turn the corner, because I think if you look at how this game may go, there's a script that you can follow for West Virginia. And it's not unrealistic because, again, Oklahoma looked pretty human. There are concerns about an offense that still has wild numbers that everybody would like to have. But then again, it is Oklahoma, and West Virginia has been blown off the field by them a few times. It's giving up uh, in excess of 47 points a game in the 0-8 record against them in the conference. My, my point here, in fewer words, is this is a mixed bag. It could go any direction, but I do think West Virginia has a reasonable chance to to get it to the type of game it wants to be. I'm with you. I think I was wondering if the worst possible scenario for West Virginia was the fact that Oklahoma looked beatable last week. Um, You know, they they look beatable. You start not not even from West Virginia's angle of, Hey, Hey, we can beat those guys. We can beat those guys, but rather Oklahoma's like, Oh man, we played like crap. Now they're going to turn around and play it better at home, start a big 12 conference play. And again, you, you noted it. You posted the graphic on the, uh, message board the other day some outlandish numbers for Oklahoma against West Virginia especially offensively and the threat is there I, I think I mentioned that there were the past I think it's the past six quarters against FBS opponents for Oklahoma so a game and a half mm-hmm. they've scored 26 points that like that's terrible I mean that's bad for a, basically every team in the country much less Oklahoma but I still wouldn't put them like say outside of the top 12 offenses in the entire country. Cause I think the potential is still there for a 50 bur- 50 point outburst on Saturday and West Virginia has to be prepared for it. You've um, you've watched the Nebraska game, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, they played Tulane first and Western Carolina second. Yep. I feel like you kick out two of those games Tulane's offense is so different, so unique. I shouldn't say unique, but it's it's just different than anything that West Virginia can do in Endeavor, I think. There might be some run things that they could get into. I'm not sure how transferable it is. And you just you kick out Western Carolina because that was a lot to a little in a pretty short amount of time. But Nebraska's I don't want to say it's I don't want to say it compares to West Virginia, but it's certainly closer offensively to what they do. And defensively, their game plan and some of the things they did, I think, are transferable too. I don't know how much of a script's there for them. Do you think there's anything about how they played? Or do you think it's some of the fact that they gave Oklahoma like seven possessions? I think part of it, one of the first things I noticed was on offense, at least. And now let's not, let's be clear. They, they were, uh, Nebraska was not exactly successful on offense. I mean, Oklahoma did, you know, kind of keep them to not too many points. It was a low scoring game. But when Nebraska found success, they went with play action. Now, I don't know if, and maybe you can answer this since you do carry this podcast. <laughs> does does the read does when Pro Football Focus puts that stuff together, scouts put that stuff together? Are they counting these read options as play action? I don't think so, but maybe. But Nebraska was nine of eleven for 178 yards running play action. Like what Oklahoma's kind of second level their bites their second and third level bites on these runs and you can hit them over uh, hit them deep with the deep pass they gave up a lot of deep throws and especially on first down I mean this is a lot of things so it's what I'm saying is watch the play action pass read option pass whatever on first down in a deep throw because Oklahoma was susceptible to play action pass 
and they're susceptible to I, I it says the stats say first down, but I think it's more of a situation of a down where you could run or pass. It seems like Oklahoma does Oklahoma does a very good job when it's an obvious passing situation or an obvious running situation. But if you have that option, you can really eat up their defense. Mm-hmm. I said seven possessions. It's nine. One is the end of the half. Five plays are in a hurry. Nothing really there. One's the end of the game where they just try to run the clock out. So really seven possessions. West Virginia's given up 20 touchdowns to Oklahoma the last three times they played. You're not going to get to that average if you get seven possessions a game. So the time of possession is 29-10 for Nebraska. I think if you're Neil Brown, you like more. 63 plays, only 69 for Oklahoma. That's a pretty good number. And then this is a strange thing. They got 14 third down snaps against Oklahoma. They converted six, which isn't bad, but you got to be at and above 50% to beat them. And I say that because this this almost worked. They were throwing into the end zone uh, in the middle of the fourth quarter, had a chance to, to have a chance. Who knows what Oklahoma does if that game gets tied. Uh, they also had an extra point blocked in return for a two-point conversion. That's why the score looks funny at 23-16. I just kind of like the way that that the approach was for Nebraska, which was, man, we're a team that lost to Illinois. We probably shouldn't try to go shot for shot with these guys. We have a good defense. Let's be humble. Let's be realistic. Let's not try to score 100 points against them. Let's use our defense. Let's control the ball, see if we can run it, and get this game into the third and fourth quarter and see how Oklahoma reacts, see if Oklahoma can react, because the quarterback hasn't really been in that spot. And their running game – had good numbers. They only have two running backs, and they're not tickled with their offensive line so far. This is what I'm getting at. Can West Virginia do that? That seems like three things they can do. They can run the ball. They can play defense. They can get it into the third and fourth quarter because that's what they've done for two-plus seasons now. I think last week gives you confidence that they can win a game like that. But can they get to that point? That's the question. You mentioned the running game, and Oklahoma's been pretty good about – uh, you, know, you know, the running like runs yards per play hasn't been bad, but just in general, the tackling for Oklahoma, which obviously includes uh, tackling after a pass is completed. They've been pretty darn bad. Uh, would you like to guess? Well, they're not last. Oklahoma State is dead last in the league by a fairly large mar- margin with a 24.2 percent missed tackle rate. Literally one in four attempts at tackling, <laughs> Oklahoma State misses one. And most of the rest of the league is right there between 17% and 20%. Oklahoma is second worst in the league at 20.1%. Uh, again, one in five attempts by Oklahoma, Oklahoma, they missed the tackle. So that, that should be like a neon flashing light for Letty Brown for running the ball, running over guys, running through tackles. For guys like Winston Wright, Sean Ryan, Isaiah Esdale, we've seen them kind of be slippery when they get those passes. If you can just get, I think the key here, one, I like the deep pass, I like the play action, and get it out in space because they are having trouble trouble tackling. And when you go down that list, it's not one person. It's not one group. It is all three levels of the defense. It's spread out among, I think, like 12, 13 different players as far as missed tackles. So it is something that Oklahoma struggles with. Um, before you follow up on that, real quick note, would you like to know who is first and also by a very large margin with the least number of missed tackles or least missed tackle rate? I probably, know I probably, wanna, I probably know the answer, but I want to have fun. Is it Kansas? <laughs> not Kansas? It is not Kansas. 
Kansas is better. Kansas is better than Texas and Oklahoma, though. Just saying, not by much, but they are. Uh, West Virginia, number one in the league by again. Number two is Texas Tech at seventeen point one percent missed tackles at, uh, during a, for attempts. West Virginia is at twelve point six. Like a good everybody, every from everyone from two to nine is between seventeen and twenty percent. And then Oklahoma State, the outlier on the other end at 24 plus West Virginia at 12 and a half, basically. Um, that's pretty good. Mm. That's pretty good for West Virginia. And that's the, the other the, the flip side of this conversation here. That's something that needs to stay. That's something that needs to remain intact and needs to continue a trend that needs to continue for this Oklahoma game. Let's start on the uh, on the offensive side then, because you touched on something that I, I do want to get to. And you can look at every game and try to see how much of it has value for the next game. I have a hard time with Winston Wright getting one touch, and especially when you know he's so good in the perimeter with the Jets or the screens. Or I'd love to see him motion into the backfield and you know catch like one on the flat and see what he can do about it. Because I think this game is a perimeter game. Oklahoma is so aggressive on the line of scrimmage with their defensive line, but they're aggressive behind it too. Where they'll send second, third level guys. And I think if you get them coming downhill, but then you're coming downhill also at them. So if you can get into a blitz with a screen or something quick, that's good. And also gets the ball out of Jared Daigie's hands. And then, you know, can you block their their offensive line if you're West Virginia? Excuse me. Can you block their defensive line if you're West Virginia's offensive line? You'd hope so. I don't know if you want to do that for 65, 70 snaps across four quarters. I'd like to swing it outside and see what I can do in the perimeter. West Virginia has been good about that at times. We saw that tunnel screen mostly work but they have variations of that screen with bubbles and tunnels and and just different things that get the ball to the back or the receivers there and then i think the more you do that and you pull them down then i think you can run it and crack one and i think if you run it and crack one then you have a chance to hit play action there these are all a bunch of things you ball up into a game plan but i i just do think that west virginia does the things or has the capability or the history of doing the things that you're going to have to do to be successful to win the game they want to win. If they're going to go into a track race, track meet with them and try to match scores and try to hit 60-yard passes or try to come out of a, I don't know, a 28-31 point first half for both teams, that's probably not going to be good. They probably can't survive that. They might get to the half and have it interesting, but I think if they're controlled and they play what they want and play, there's a chance I think it lines up in a certain manner for them. Do you see strength versus weakness or strength versus potential vulnerability there. I'm with you with everything you just said, because okay. I think the the offense for West Virginia, the key here is not to try to go full up tempo, throw and run all over the place, get into space, try to get into track meet, but rather kind of a, 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 a precision strike type of thing. Uh, get some runs in there. And when you can take the deep shot. Don't, but don't try to get up tempo because, but I think that run, 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 throw deep, throw deep, run, run, whatever order you want to do it in. I did mention earlier that uh, Oklahoma has given up a few more yards and a few more deeper passes when you're throwing on first down. But I, I would not try to do anything too crazy. Just, just run, 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 deep pass, see what you can get there. Cause I think if you keep getting into space, get those runs. You're going to break down that defense. They get tired, and then you can hit them deep, which is what Nebraska did with their play action. Mm. Uh, it's why Tulane stayed in there, and I think West Virginia can make it work. 
Yeah, Tulane, I should say, they they used their run to their advantage. And that what I, what I was thinking about some of the transferable qualities. Can you figure out how they were able to manipulate the secondary, do something there to give them a chance? Because they, they did have some success passing. That was probably good for them, but um, just by and large, a different game there, too. Can you make this argument? This isn't the best defensive line that West Virginia will see this season. I say that knowing that Maryland is good and Virginia Tech was good. This just feels like another level, though, which is, again, high praise because they've seen two good defensive lines. Heck, they may, they maybe have seen three because Long Island's defensive line looked pretty good, too, huh? <laughs> well, I don't know if just because they looked good, that means they're actually good. Yeah. Uh, but to your point, I uh, – here you go. I'm going off the top of my head here, so I'm sure – it, based off the reaction to some of my Sunday snap judgments and power rankings, uh, there are people from other teams who listen and read what we're putting up, and uh, they are not afraid to share how stupid I am with me. So um, I'm doing this off the top of my head, prepared for some more messages of, of, of that ilk. But would is it possible that after this game in Norman, West Virginia will have played the three toughest defensive lines they maybe will play all year? Like, is that crazy to say that? I think Oklahoma's will probably be the best. Uh, Texas has some pretty nasty personnel. Just yeah. front. Um, that'll be tough. And then I would probably agree with you there. That's probably one or two. TCU's hasn't been great. I thought I had a chance. It may get there, but I don't think one's going to be better. And I would say that, you know, Tech's probably going to be up there, too. And Maryland's probably going to be up there, too. I don't know if they're top three, but are you going to find a situation where Maryland and Tech are the fifth and sixth best defensive line this long? I highly doubt that. Right. Adrian Martinez, three for four on screen passes, nine for 11 on play action. So simple stuff where you give him an advantage. Probably wanted to have more screens, but uh, the trouble was that he was just, he was moving around a lot. He was under duress a lot. 18 dropbacks under pressure, only eight attempts. <laughs> How did that happen? Eight passes uh, under under 18 dropbacks under pressure, um, five dropbacks on blitzes, but he used three for three against the blitz too. Quick stuff, got it out. I think there's something you can do. Um, Nebraska's offense at times looks like West Virginia's, and at times it doesn't. There's some elements there you can do, but they were doing stuff that I think is is something you can study and make a look. And you're gonna have to be quick against their defense. They're pretty aggressive, again, because their line is so good. They can make things happen there, and then they can they can chase it from behind and be there. But uh, secondary's been okay. They've had some players who have high completion percentage numbers against them. They have some players who have made some plays, but also missed some plays too. I don't know. If there's anything fancy here. I think if you're West Virginia, you probably you might want to contain it a little bit and not try to do the deep stuff and move it, but if they're going to play with a one high because they're blitzing, you probably want to find it. Um, and again, I just think like catch and run stuff could be good, which leads me to the RPO stuff. We we saw some stuff and it looked good. Like Dakey made some nice decisions and put the ball in the money a few times, some impressive throws up the seam or hitting the guy on the run. And if you're going to be reading those linebackers and, and watching those linebackers, Looking for an uh, an alley for Liddy Brown, but also maybe looking for a linebacker who's a little bit too greedy and steps in, and all of a sudden Sam James is behind him running free in the secondary. We saw a little bit last week. I'd like to see more of it this week. Yeah, I think this is another opportunity for Sam James to kind of continue his redemption tour, I guess we can call it. Uh, he's been off to a great start. I mean, it, you, you may not find many other uh, people who cover this team who are harder on him than I, I have been over the offseason and last season, but he's answered in a big way and made some good plays and, and shown that he's a, a reliable player there on the in the slot or interior receiver there. And, and he could be that guy that that makes some catches off those RPOs and, and gets upfield. Him and Wright, I mean, it's there. I think it will be there, and I think Diggy 
is finding it most of the time, th- those quick slants off that RPO. And again, when offenses are in a situation, meaning not third and 11 or third and 12, uh, or even even like third and short, and it seems like you're going to run. If you have the option, it seems to throw Oklahoma's defense off, and, and that RPO could really do some damage. Have to see Garrett Green throw a pass Saturday. True or false? Have to? Have to. Hmm. It can't be one-dimensional against them because they're going to see him and just pin back their yeah. at him. I guess so, yeah. I think – yeah. I think so. Let me give you a true or false back. Garrett Green plays more snaps against Oklahoma than he did against Virginia Tech. Yeah, true. Six snaps. Okay. That's not a high ceiling, but yeah, I think that I think he will because I think that there's just something there I think he can do. And if you're going to have to move that pocket against them, and if, if they get into a thing where they know Daigie's going to be there every time and the target's not going to move, it makes it difficult. They'll, they'll be more aggressive there. Um, opponents are 13 for 43 on third down. Maybe avoid third down. Wouldn't that be cool? Like, if you got a second and one, <laughs> don't go to play action, maybe. Just try to get that first down if you can. 13 out of 43 is pretty good. That's how you get off the field. But, again, they got into 14 third downs, Nebraska did, and three fourth downs. So, 17 chances to, you know, extend the drive. They only did seven of them. So, you'd like to have a better success rate there, too. I also think that you're going to have to see a lot of Letty Brown. How much room do you make for Tony Mathis, who I guess is back at number two? Justin Johnson didn't play last week. This seems like one of those games where you want to lean on Letty Brown, and I also wonder if they're even going to give a second guy a chance, which makes me wonder how much Letty Brown will play, and perhaps that factors into getting Green in as like quarterback slash running back. But this is a Letty Brown game. How much Letty Brown, and, and how much time does he see to somebody else? I wonder about that because I think if if you take him out, I think you have to you have to give him the ball as much as possible. First off, second. If you take him out, it's almost a sign to the other team of, hey, they're gonna they're going to do something else. Not that 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 they don't hand it off to Tony Mathis, but it, it's kind of one of those situations where you want to take Letty out when you're not going to hand it off to him. Maybe see because Tony Mathis, I'm assuming here we haven't seen it much in the game. He hasn't been in enough, but if he's decent at pass blocking, bring Tony Mathis in when it's a, an obvious passing situation. Let him do the pass blocking. Let him take those hits so that Letty Brown doesn't have to. Let Letty Brown get those kind of breathers. If you trust him enough and you can go that way, that's one way to kind of sneak some extra rest for Letty so that you can use him when you need him. Mm -hmm. Don't disagree there. I'm looking at their pro football focus numbers here. Their top four scores are all defensive linemen. Um, The next one is Nick Benito, who is – kind of like a defensive lineman he's an edge guy who just comes downhill a whole bunch um, so their top five players are all going to be that in that box kind of guy and their tackles got to be better than they have been Wyatt Milan has been coming along nicely this might be a, a time for him to play more and see if he's got it but also maybe duck and cover if he doesn't Brandon Yates has to be good and then I think that your your guard center guard performance was pretty promising against Tech they, they improved they did some stuff they held up Probably Frazier's best game, I would say, of his career. Gemitter looked better. Unfortunately, the false start for him, that was the best Nestor's played in his three games there, too. That's promising, but they're inside, guys, and a lot of what Tech likes to do is come outside. They, they really rattle teams with that edge pressure and being able to, you know, not just the outside linebacker and their, their second-level edge guys, but their defensive ends are good, too. 
and they hardly ever line up over a tackle. They're either inside the tackle or they're outside the tackle, but they put pressure on the gaps, either outside shoulder, inside shoulder, which means that that's, that's kind of what they've done for a long time, and those tackles are going to have to hold up. Uh, not particularly confident there, but it does help to have O'Loughlin back, and then couldn't help but notice they played 12 personnel quite a bit um, with, with Banks and O'Loughlin together, and there's a way to protect your edges with one or both of them on a side. I'm not sure how balanced you'll see where maybe like outside left tackles are Lachlan, outside the right tackles banks, but maybe one's attached and one floats around in the backfield. Maybe they're both together. Uh, motion's good. If you can get them leaning one way and go the other, you can do it. Good time to have a Lachlan back for a second game, too. I think they're pretty happy with the number of snaps he got. Play was okay. Got a catch, did some good blocking, but they were able to run the ball better because he was in there. They were under center a bunch, too. Those are layers that I think will get a little bit thicker as they as they proceed in the season. This is a good time to, to stick with what works and, and try to find a way to hammer that defense and get it um, and just figure out what it is. And here's my stat for you. Are you ready? Go. First quarter, we're, we're going to jab, probably feel each other out, maybe 7-3, seven, 7-7, seven, seven, something like that. But both teams had their script. I think in Grinch's, Alex Grinch's 28 games as a defensive coordinator, uh, six scores in the first drive. That's tough. West Virginia's been pretty good on their first drive under Brown. They don't score. They're at least productive. I think they've scored in the first drive every game this year. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. That's a good start. Uh, trying to think of Maryland. Yeah, right? Maryland. Yeah, they scored in the first one. Anyways, but like I, I feel confident saying in his two-plus seasons, they've been organized, effective, and sometimes productive with points on their first drive. So I think that's good. But, man, the second quarter, 51 nothing is Oklahoma's scoring margin. And West Virginia's is 34-3. So that's going to be an important 15 minutes there. So West Virginia is, yeah, good starts, but they figure something out, we think, and they go after it. Now, how much of that is the Long Island game? Yeah, they had 21 points in that second quarter, but they're not giving up points. They adjust. Their defense is good there, so that's good. And I like the three for West Virginia more than the 34 because I'm scared to death of the 51 for Oklahoma. I might get off to a good start, but they're going to keep coming at you, and if they get momentum at home, you know, that's 7-3 or 7-7. to First quarter score could be 24-7, 27-7 at halftime and your first 15 minutes are out the window. So you got me thinking here, uh, not really related to that second quarter, but right before that when you were mentioned the tight ends kind of floating into the backfield, and right before that I mentioned, hey, give Letty Brown a rest, give him a breather when he's when it's obvious patch, passing situation so that he can pass block. Letty Brown, currently your third best pass blocking grade on the team behind Parker Moore and James Gmitter. Uh so you may not want to take him out. Oh, <laughs> and the the bottom two on the team, Tony Mathis and Justin Johnson, as far as pass blocking, uh, limited limited uh, snaps, obviously, but uh, the two lowest pass blocking guys on the team. And and looking at the snaps for O'Laughlin and Banks, in neither the first nor the second game, obviously not O'Laughlin, but Banks either, uh, lined up in the backfield floating around in the backfield like you were talking about in the game against Virginia Tech, they did it a handful of times between both of them did. And so it's something that's in the playbook. It's there. And I think maybe that's something you see a little bit more, more than just a handful of times in order to get the blocking that they need, especially on those edges. And and if they want to give Letty a break. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Flip sides of the ball here. Good to West Virginia's defense, Oklahoma's offense. Chris, what's wrong with Oklahoma's offense? I don't know. Yeah, I really don't. Like, I, it doesn't make sense. They got the talent. At times, it seems amazing. You, you, you kind of look through and see where is this going? Why is it struggling? And... I don't know. I can't find it. And, and maybe it's it's Rattler's a little off, but then you look and he's completing 75% of his passes and averaging, you know, a couple hundred, 250 yards a game. So I, I don't have an answer of where the issues are. His arm is something to behold. I don't I don't want to make this comparison, but like Mahomes used to sling it from weird postures and, and positions and footing and the ball got there. He's He's not Mahomes. That's a unique talent, but... He, he whips it from his hip to the field, and you're like, how'd the ball get there? And it's on the money. Um, I do think he's overconfident sometimes with that arm because he's put the ball in peril a few times because he thinks the 50-50 ball is going to be a lot more likely to be completed because he can put it in a spot, but he's throwing to two defenders sometimes. And seven touchdowns, two interceptions, and it looks like his, his turnover-worthy plays are up this year too. I think that's probably a little bit concerning for him. And just not hitting the deep balls. Have you seen his deep numbers? No. Well... That's something that they've talked about because Nebraska tried to keep a lid on it. Nebraska played, I would say, soft. Not as a um, not as a negative, but didn't let him go deep. He only took two deep shots. And if you go back to the first week of the season, too, when they played Tulane, um, a little bit more aggressive. He didn't take any um, early on in the game and got a few when he had a chance, but took four when he got going. So... Uh, first game, second game, third game, teams have adjusted. And I think if you look at him on film last year, he was good because he was aggressive and they had excellent skill positions outside and you would just run past people and get open, good schemes, that'll work. Nebraska kind of took that away a little bit. West Virginia can fall into, you know, quarters coverage, cover two, cover four, things like that. And you mentioned the the soft or the short prevent defense. Is it is a deep prevent defense here and try to keep it in front of you? And, you know, make them make this team that is accustomed to two play drives, five play drives, make them go 12 or 13, because that in turn, that's almost like your ball control offense, too. If your defense can control the offense, even if Oklahoma scores three or seven, but it takes them, I don't know, 11 plays and four and a half, five and a half minutes. That's that's almost working in your favor, too. Does that make sense there? You can use your defense to be a ball control offense. Yeah, and I think they, I, I don't know whether we're going to say it's short medium intermediate or deep on the uh on that prevent defense this time around however you want to go with it i'll leave that up to the coaches but i will give this piece of advice do not blitz spencer rattler no. uh, his numbers are outrageous when he gets blitzed he has a, a grade of 86 he's thrown five touchdowns uh when thrown that way and the key is and yeah it seems kind of obvious it's probably the same for every quarterback in the country if you can get pressure with four and it, it, yeah, duh, get pressure with fewer guys. So you have more guys in coverage, just get pressure with four. That it's easy, right? Just do it. Um, West Virginia is actually pretty good at that. We've talked about it since week one, that it seems like the best option for West Virginia's defense is a four man rush with seven men dropping into that zone coverage. And that's something that West Virginia does well or has done well so far. And that also seems like that might be the answer to help slow this Oklahoma defense, because that is when uh, Spencer Rattler tr- uh, struggles. If you yeah. combine not being blitzed, but also still getting pressured, 
he, he I don't want to say he falls off a cliff, but he becomes a mediocre quarterback. Yeah, uh, just three for six on 20-yard throws or more this year for 102 yards, no touchdowns, one interception. So that that indicates to me that he's staring into high safeties and he's not going to push it. And you look at everything else, you're, you're talking 22, 30 in the middle, uh, 31 uh, in the short, and a ton of stuff behind the line of scrimmage too. So I think he's working with it as best as he can, but you also see a quarterback who sometimes he fights himself a little bit. He's had to move around quite a bit. Their offensive line hasn't been nearly as dominant or consistent as they have been in the past. That's coming together. They haven't had some of their personnel work out like they want. Like, by the way, Wanya Morris, the transfer from Tennessee, he's played mm-hmm. one game in 18 snaps. He hasn't played against either of their FBS opponents yet. So that's a guy that they thought was going to hold down one of the tackle positions for him. I think he's the preseason newcomer of the year in the Big 12. I'm not maybe preseason all-conference. I know he's on one of them uh, and just isn't playing. So they're not quite what they want to be yet there, too. Um, so, yeah, I think that you'll see West Virginia try to control it with their secondary. You can you can play their defense in the back, but, again, they're going to have to be good up front and send three and one is the one. Bartlett is the one. Scotty Young, is uh, Jackie Matthews, he blitzed a little bit last game. So there's some things they can do to disguise it and be effective there, too. Um, I will say this about the Nebraska game. You watched the game, correct? Or you, yeah. you the game? They played hard. They really got after Oklahoma's offensive line, and every time they pulled that guard and tackle, they went underneath and tried to blow it up and just push those two or push somebody in the backfield to cause traffic uh, congestion there. They hit, they tackled really well. Um, there's one play early in the first half, early in this third quarter, actually. So they come into halftime, Oklahoma, it's 7-3, let's make some adjustments, and they run what I think is like an inverted veer, and it confuses the, the pitch man that they're trying to read on the outside. And he's thinking, all right, well, he's going to pitch it, or he's going to keep it. So he, the quarterback's reading me. Quarterback's reading someone else. It's an inverted veer, so it's different. But the same defender gets tricked, and he makes the tackle short of the first and five mark. Those first and five plays, he makes the tackle and just popped the guy. And I was thinking, man, that's a really good play. And the defense went wild. Like, they were really happy about that. And then two plays later, Oklahoma says, screw this. And they go to a trick play, 23 yards. It's their longest game of the game. They're in the end zone a couple plays later. But that stood out to me that Oklahoma knew Nebraska brought it. And they were going to play hard, and they were going to be physical, and they were going to tackle, and they were going to attack their offensive line, and they were going to make the plays that were in front of them. Let's try something different. Didn't work. Screw it. Trick play. And then they're on their way again. They're going into the end zone, and the band's playing that song. But that lines up to West Virginia's strength to me. That's a team that has a pretty good motor because the defensive line is is powering it. It's Akeem Mesador, Dante Stills, Taj Alston. Everybody else plays off of that. You see their linebackers go sideline to sideline. Their safeties play pretty hard. Their corners tackle. They come in. You watch – Watch Fortune and Porter and Matthews when he's there. Those guys play in the run. And if not, they're running to a ball that's been caught by somebody else or it's broken to the line of scrimmage. I just think that that's a way to, to rattle an offense. I'm not calling Oklahoma's offense finesse because those offensive linemen can pull and knock you over. Their tight ends are tough. Their, their H-backs are tough. But it does seem to me that you can, you can rattle them a little bit if you punch them back. This is a team that's so used to dictating. I think if you start telling them how it's going to be, you force them to make a reaction. They're capable of making it, but I would really like to see them react to being physical and, and trying to take my terms of my terms are let's be physical. Let's hit hard. Let's hit first. Let's hit second. Mike, this, this podcast is trending scarily close to being positive. Are, are, I just, that's not, that's not something we've been known for lately. So I, I'm, I'm just putting it out there. 
I just think that there's a way you have to play if you're West Virginia to beat this team, and I think West Virginia can do it. Like, I, I just don't know that that's going to happen because the other part about it is Oklahoma's offensive line can wake up and blow you up. Uh, Rattler might see the, the cover three and just start hitting people on slants. Um, if you drop your safeties back and you play a soft box, Kennedy Brooks uh, might start running through you. So those are problems there. But I also think that if you're going to, again, like if, if you're going to win this game, you're going to have to have a stout defense that hits and maybe causes turnovers or maybe, you know, it's third and three. It's a, it's a hit at the sticks. You can't go backwards. You know, you got to make sure it's a one yard gain and, and they have a decision to make. And maybe you win that fourth down decision. Maybe it's a punt. Maybe it's a field goal instead of a touchdown. Things like that have to happen. And then their offense, look, I don't think their offense can go score for score, score for score, quarter for quarter against Oklahoma. But. I think if you play keep away a little bit and you're efficient and you're smart and you don't give away plays or possessions with things you can't do, like if they throw first and 10 deep and second and 10 deep because one or both of them is there, it's there for a reason, right? They're giving you that because you're not great at it. And if they're taking away what you want to do, sometimes you're going to have to do that. So you're going to have to do the stuff that they're trying to guard against because that's what you're supposed to be good at. I'm not predicting an upset here. I'm just saying that I'm confident that West Virginia can play a game that it has to play to win. I'm not sure they win it, but I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility to say that they could possess the ball, run it, be smart with their passing game, use their quarterbacks effectively, and also play play physical defense. I think that's within their their capabilities on both sides. Um, I was just giving you a hard time, but I'm, I'm with you. I think that's that's the best way to put it. I'm not there. There's no prediction going on this podcast that West Virginia is going to go into Norman and beat the number four ranked team in the country. But the areas where it seems that Oklahoma is susceptible are the same areas where it seems that West Virginia is capable of doing those things and and doing them well. The, again, the big wild card being turnovers. Uh, it, it's been West Virginia's Achilles heel so far this season, uh, six so far. And I don't even think you can have one or two. I mean, at the very least, you have to win or break even in the turnover margin just to have a chance in this game. Their tight ends are, are a concern too. I know I do this every podcast, but it feels like a tight end makes a play every game too. But this is not like the, 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 the freak athlete at Maryland or the, the tall guy that was replacing the all American at Virginia tech, but they, they just do everything around their tight ends. They, they use them as like pulling guards. Almost they put them in the backfield in the slot and they have three of them 166 164 162 and that's because they have different flavors they want to be and every one of them can do it uh jordan leslie thinks really highly of him neil brown thinks really highly of him i'll have a story later this morning you can see what josh chandler samito has to say about it but um he just says that that's the one thing that separates oklahoma from everybody it's what that position does for them it's not a traditional tight end it's not a traditional fullback it's not even a traditional running back it's a mix of literally everything <laughs> no no challenge there right <laughs> here's the, the yeah. greatest offense in the big 12 and by the way they have this this chameleon in the backfield that can do a little bit of everything with three different guys. And um, I just, you're going to have to read off of them as best you can, but they've, they've had success of the years against West Virginia against everybody else because they can pivot their, their, their formations and their runs and everything off what those tight ends do. They're, they're really fun to watch how they use those three. All right, Mike headline reads Sunday morning, West Virginia upsets number four ranked Oklahoma because blank. Give me one. I mean, we've discussed a bunch here, but what's the one, the big one? So uh, a theme or a specific event? Uh, a theme. Uh, defense. 
Period. <laughs> Just, there you go. That's fine. That's fine. That's a fine answer. Yeah. You, you harass them. You, you maybe you get a non-offensive touchdown, but the defense walks off the field knowing it was the best group. There you go. I think I, it is one of those games where, again, it, it's all the things that we just talked about over the last half hour. So offense has to pick its spots, hold on to the ball, don't get too crazy, don't turn it over, and defense can just kind of get that energy up, get pressure without having a blitz, and, and that would be the reason that West Virginia won this game. Watch trick plays, too. This is something every game with with uh, with Lincoln Riley. But since he's been calling plays since 2015, uh, 12 passes, three touchdowns by non-quarterbacks, uh, five receptions by quarterbacks, and one catch and one touchdown by an offensive lineman who was actually targeted twice in the same game. Um, they did it last week, like I said, when they wanted to get it going. They got two lane with one when they were trying to get it going, too. So. I'm sure the I, I know this because I talked to Leslie about it last year. I never got to write the story, but they will have they'll have something up their sleeve or a spot in the field or a time in the game, and they'll go to it because they've done it. They've done it a lot. And again, when they needed one against Tulane, when they needed one against Nebraska, it was there. What is it going to be? That's the thing. You know it's coming, but the scary part is I don't know how they're going to do it. And that that kind of amplifies the concern a little bit. There is that they can do it with a whole bunch of different possibilities. I just I was about to ask. I think this is like the I don't know. 20th time I've done this in the last like week or so I was about to say why didn't you get to write it Mike and then it's like oh yeah because West Virginia and Oklahoma didn't play last year I I it it keeps escaping me I keep when I'm I'm looking up stuff I'm looking up things looking up stats quotes previous matchups and I'm like oh yeah okay that happened and what happened in 2020 again and and then it's like oh god make it stop I don't know if anybody else is doing that but I certainly am all right you asked me the headline I'm, I'm assuming that yours is probably going to be along the same line. So, and if I'm wrong, yeah. my bad. But let me ask you the the popular question at the end here. I can't answer because I kind of already did. But um, you and I sit down sometime after midnight, probably uh, Saturday <laughs> night, and we do this. Um, I don't know when it's going to be or whatever. But who are we talking about? What are we talking about that is revealed by the outcome? Doesn't have to be predictive of win or loss, but what factors into a win or loss? Well. If we're talking about if we're talking about a win, I think we're talking about the defensive line. I think we're talking about Akeem Mesador and Dante Stills, um, or hey, or we're talking about Jared Bartlett and Ben Darius Cowan again. I mean, I know it's not technically defensive line, but I'm talking about that pass rush. I think that's key. Um, and, and if if West Virginia ends up losing, I, it's Oklahoma. There could be a, a thousand different ways that you can end up losing that game. So I don't know if there's going to be one specific person or group or theme that we're going to talk about if West Virginia loses. But I do think there is one if they win. What time are we doing this on Saturday night? I don't know what seven thirty start. A.M. Wait on Saturday. Yeah, I think we'll be. It'll it'll be close to midnight. No, I'm saying are we gonna do the pod seven thirty Sunday morning? No, I think I was I was trying to do the math. Seven thirty start time Saturday night, which 11. means games over eleven eleven thirty, post game interviews stories. Yeah, we're talking midnight. It's better be good. Better be worth it. <laughs> oh, I, 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 I'm having vague memories of a game last year. I think that that maybe it was the first night game for West Virginia. I'll look up the schedule, but it was. Uh, we got on for 20 minutes, and it was not a great game. It was not an enjoyable pod, and I think we we went like 15 minutes and, and called it. So, yeah. as you always say, 
stay tuned for the postgame pod. It'll be a, a delight, I'm sure. Uh, uh-huh. 7.30, ABC, Herb Street and Fowler, too. How about that? Yeah, big one. Big, big, big one. Should be fun. Um, 137 straight sellouts at Oklahoma, by the way. Huh, that's impressive. Yeah, I think they're 131 and 6 or something like that, and they're 137. I don't know how I buy the numbers up. I know it's 137 straight sellouts. West Virginia would be uh, the next one there in line. So, um, hey, happy to be invited to the party, I'm sure. Uh, don't miss the postgame party. Sometime around midnight, we think. Until then, have all the regular staples coming up. Uh, have the buy the numbers feature. Have the fresh set. Have the three keys that you will have. Um, trying to think of what else. Typical news and analysis. Expert predictions. Charity bets. They're back. Uh, I Hopefully. don't know if they're better than ever, but they're back. That'd be better than last week, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, anything else you need to promote or otherwise promise the audience, Chris? No, I think that's it. You're you're starting to see some uh, recruiting news come back up on the site. That's going to happen. Uh, tw- the handful of 2022 kids are going to start setting up visits for later in the fall and into the winter. Uh, 2023 guys are sending in their four-game highlight tape, and and that's why you're seeing a lot of new offers. That's that's something that's like kind of the final piece to get an offer from a lot of colleges. So handful of new offers going out. Um, stories have already gone up on that this week. Uh, Corey McIntyre did did. Was that that was before you, or was that right when you were getting started? We were students together, I believe. Were you? Okay. Yeah, his his son, and he he said it, and and I was like, oh man, I it taking me back because him starting a defensive end linebacker kind of thing, and then fullback switch and all around a good athlete. His son's apparently a a big boy on the defensive line too, so we got that that interview up already as well. Can't wait. Can't wait for Saturday night, ABC, 7.30, Herb Street, Fowler, post-game podcast to follow. Um, you can tell how much I'm looking forward to that. Also looking forward to the game. I think we'll learn a lot about both teams. Uh, whoever wins, obviously, better. But whoever loses might um, rewrite their season one way or the other, too, because I don't think this is going to be a game where the winner gets 45. No. Seems unlikely to me. Yeah. That would not be the pace the West Virginia wants to run the marathon, I don't think. No. Until then. I'm Mike Casaza. And I'm Chris Anderson. We'll talk to you next time.